purpose or determination, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Come next Friday, the television screens will be filled with pictures of the Olympics. These pictures will come to us virtually instantaneously via satellite from Atlanta and uh, many millions of people in this country and around the world will look in and be uh, spectators through television of the Olympic Games for this year. I was reading an article in the paper yesterday about the Scottish athlete Liz McCaughan. Some of you may have noticed that also in The Scotsman. And it struck me it would be strange if she were to enter, uh, for having entered for the Olympic Games, if she were to go down when her, when her race comes, down onto the track, and not take the tra her track suit off. Normally when athletes go down to the track, they warm up, they take off the track suit, and they get ready for the race. And it's almost inconceivable that uh, an athlete should go down and be in the track and really have a change of mind and begin to wonder whether they should uh, participate. But that is exactly the picture, the word picture that is painted in these verses here. This verse, or these verses, is a word picture, constitute a word picture of an athlete, or of athletes, who are in the arena but who are reluctant to participate they are in the arena they are on the field they're on the track but they are reluctant to go forward they're reluctant to take off the tracksuit as it were and to get going now why was it that the writer to the Hebrews drew that picture draws that picture for us and he does it because in the church to which he wrote and we do not know where that church was but in the church to which he wrote there were at least some people who having made a commitment to Christianity were beginning to have second thoughts they were becoming in a sense reluctant Christians they uh, were beginning to encounter persecution they had not yet resisted unto blood as we're told, they have not yet uh, physically uh, suffered in the sense of violence spilling their blood. But restrictions had begun to, to appear and the situation was ominous. And some were beginning to have second thoughts about their commitment to Jesus Christ. And they were attracted to become part of the Jewish religion. They may, in fact, have been Jews previously. That is not clear. On the other hand, they could have been Gentiles. But they were attracted to become part of the Jewish religion because the Jewish religion had official protection. And Christianity did not enjoy that. As long as Christianity was seen as an extension or as a sequel to the Jewish faith, 
Then, as uh, Paul discovered, uh, uh, you could, you could, you could, uh, Christianity enjoyed the benefits, the protection of the Jewish faith. But it was becoming clearer and clearer that, in fact, the Jews as a whole were rejecting uh, Christ, and so therefore Christianity was appearing as a new, unofficial religion, and therefore was exposed to all the sanctions of the Roman Empire against something which was not. Uh, approved and so this particular church was faced with the temptation of going back or perhaps not going back to all, but simply going into uh, some form of Judaism some scholars believe that the particular form of Judaism into which they were tempted to return was similar to that practiced by the in the Qumran community by the Essenes beside the Dead Sea the community well known because of the Dead Sea Scrolls there are many similarities between what they believed and what the Hebrews were tempted to believe. But that be it as it may. That is the, the picture uh, that is uh, presented to us here and that is the reason why that picture was necessary. And there is a sense in which that picture is still relevant today. Especially in the church in the western countries of the world. Where so many people are still, still want to be associated with the church but are reluctant to make a full commitment. They are reluctant to follow Jesus Christ, lock, stock, and barrel. We still have a high degree of nominalism in the churches in the Western world, perhaps not so much as once was the case, but nevertheless, there is a significant proportion of people in the church who have a sign above their lives which says, not, do not disturb. There are lots of people like that. They're prepared to hang on. They're prepared to receive whatever benefits they may conceive the church conferring upon them, but they do not want to be committed. They're down in the track. They've got the track suit on, but they're not prepared to get it off and to run in the race following our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And so, as we will see in coming uh, days, pictures of the Olympics, let us remember uh, the, the illustration that we have here in this letter uh, to, to, to the Hebrews. An illustration which was taken from the Olympics, if you like, of the ancient world. An illustration of an athlete or athletes who are, have entered, if you like, have entered the competition but are not committed to it who've entered the Olympics but are not dedicated to it and that is a parable of the Church of Jesus Christ then and now and the question I want to ask you today and the question I want you to ask when you, every time you see an Olympic event in the coming days is to ask is that a picture of my life am I like that have I entered the church but I'm not committed to Jesus Christ that was the picture that is being presented here I would like very briefly and very simply this morning to go over with you what is required of a committed Christian what is required of a committed Christian not a reluctant Christian but a committed Christian 
Well, I think, first of all, a committed Christian is called upon to be disciplined. We read here, let us lay aside every weight. Every weight. That is uh, uh, referred to here. Let us lay aside every weight. Let us throw off everything that hinders, is the way the NIV puts it, or the CEV. So we must get rid of everything that slows us down. Let us lay aside every weight. In fact, uh, the word that is used here, the Greek word that is used here, can be used as a, of excessive body weight. And you know how athletes uh, train in order that they might be the, the right weight, in order that, that all the excess fat and flab might, be, might, be, might, not, might not be there, that they might reach a peak condition. And the problem that uh, the writer to the Hebrews sees is that some of the people to whom he was writing had become flabby in a spiritual sense. They had become unfit spiritually through lack of discipline. Let us throw off everything that gets in the way. Let us throw aside every weight. An athlete, of course, requires a certain amount of uh, body fat. The problem arises when that amount is excessive. And this is, the, I believe, the, 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 the literal picture that is being presented here. But the writer is thinking not physically, he's not thinking in literal terms. He's thinking figuratively. He's thinking of those things, not so much which are the prohibited things, but things which may in themselves be acceptable and good, but which, if taken to excess, can in fact become harmful. The excessive use of or an undue degree of involvement in things which are perfectly legitimate and may even be commanded in Scripture can in fact become harmful if they are indulged in to excess. For example, we are called upon to be diligent in business and our work. But if our work becomes the center of our lives rather than Christ, then our work becomes like the thorns of the parable which choke our interest in the word of God. The good can become the enemy of the best. The question I want to ask you and I want to ask myself today is how many things have we laid aside in order that we might be fitter athletes for Christ, in order that we might be more disciplined in our commitment to him. And so if we are going to be committed Christians then we must be disciplined. We must put first things first and not allow other things to usurp the place of Christ in our life. The good can become the enemy of the best. And a committed Christian is someone who knows what is best and that what is best is Christ and that Christ is at the center of all things and all the other things are centered on him. Secondly, to be a committed Christian, I believe that we are called upon to be dynamic. We are called upon to be dynamic. 
The writer goes on to speak about laying aside not only every weight, but also the sin which does so easily beset us. The word beset has the idea of entanglement, the sin which, en- the thing that, that which entangles us, which so easily entangles, the sin which holds onto us so tightly, the sin that just won't let go. These are some alternative renderings of this phrase. And here the allusion is probably to the, to, to the robes of the athletes. In the ancient world the athletes did not wear tracksuits, they wore big long robes that were right down to their ankles and perhaps almost to the ground. And uh, the writer is imagining them trying to run with the robe on and it, it entangles them. And they can't do it, it's, it, it's like running with a tracksuit, it's worse than running with a tracksuit. The Hebrews to whom this letter was written were like athletes who had entered for the race who were on the track but not, who had not taken off their robes. We still had the equivalent of their tracksuit on. And the writer to the Hebrews says that this is a sin. Now he may be referring to some particular sin. On the other hand, he may simply be referring to this reluctance as sin. And if you go back to the passage which we read in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, that was precisely the sin of the people of Israel. And it's referred to earlier in chapter 7, chapter 4, 4 to 7 of the letter to the Hebrews. When the writer looks back to that episode in the wilderness, that episode in the desert, when the people refused to follow Caleb, when they refused to follow Joshua, and when they, they stood still, they marked time in the wilderness, and in, in some ways that, that, that's the point that is being made again here these athletes have gone onto the track but they're marking time they're not dynamic they're not going forward they're not entering the race they're like the, the Israelites in, in, in the wilderness who were on the edge of the promised land but who refused to enter into it they were there ready on the borders but they refused to cross the frontier because they were afraid of the giants, the children of Anak in the land. And that is perhaps what is the pick the, 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 at the back of, 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 of these words here. This fear of going forward. This reluctance to go forward. This marking time. Christianity is dynamic. One of the earliest uh, names for the Christian faith, probably the earliest, is called uh, the Way. Christianity was known as the Way. It was, it's a road in which people travel. It's not an armchair uh, uh, contemplation. It's the commitment of the road. And it, it, it's like that from the very beginning. Some people say today, what must I do to go to hell? And the answer is you don't need to do anything. People are already on the way to hell. And that's why the gospel calls us to commitment, calls us to repentance, calls us to, to, to give ourselves to Christ and to follow him. From the very beginning the gospel comes over as something dynamic, something that calls for commitment, it calls for action, it calls for dedication. And so it is as we live the Christian life we're called upon to be dynamic let us run 
the, the writer to the Hebrews. Let us be finished with this, uh, this humming and hawing. Let us give up this, uh, this, 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 this question of, of, of hopping from one foot to the other. Let us run the race that is set before us. Let us lay aside this sin of reluctance, this sin of prevarication, this sin of doubting. Let us lay it aside and let us go forward. I wonder, are we dynamic? Are we committed to the Lord Jesus Christ? Or sometimes do we tend to fall back, almost to become spectators? Are we, do we need this exhortation? Because this is what the, the letter to the Hebrews is. It's a word of exhortation. It's a word of encouragement, a message of encouragement to the people of God. And perhaps we need that word of encouragement this morning in order to move the power of the Spirit of God. We need, if we're going to be committed Christians, to be dynamic. We need to run. We need to enter the race and give ourselves to it. Thirdly, I believe that we need to be dedicated. Sorry, we need to be determined. We need to be determined. Let us run the race with patience or with determination. Let us run the race and uh, with determination. That race which is set before us. That is the race which uh, is laid out uh, before us in the word of God. We have the, in the Word of God our manual, as it were, which helps us and guides us and shows us the way to run the race. We need to run it with determination. The Christian life is never easy, and it's uh, one of the one of the uh, I think uh, indications of the confusion which persists in, which prevails in the church so often today. And people think that that to follow Christ is an easy way out. It's not an easy way out. It's, it, 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 he says, if anyone will come after him, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. He calls upon us to follow him. He calls upon us to, 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 to be determined. He who perseveres to the end shall be saved, said Jesus. To follow Christ involves going against the current so often. And we've got to be prepared to do that. The Christian life is not a downhill romp. It is an uphill struggle. And we must be prepared to, to, to face that. And be prepared to give ourselves to it. That when we run the race that is set before us, it is a race which must be run with determination. It must be run with perseverance. It must be run a recognizing the difficulty in recognizing the sacrifice and recognizing the cost. This is a race which we cannot run in our own strength. We need the strength of the Holy Spirit, but God has promised to give his Holy Spirit to those who ask him for him. But we need to recognize that we need the Holy Spirit because the way is hard. The way of life is a narrow way. It is a way which is hard, it is a way which is uphill, and we need to run with determination.
And it's so easy for us, is it not, for our determination to erode. And for us to become less determined, less committed than we once were. And this message has been preserved by the Holy Spirit in the canon of Scripture as a word of encouragement, as a message of encouragement for us. To encourage us, to exhort us, to press on, to go forward in spite of the difficulty. The way will be difficult. It's much more difficult for some, for Christians in some parts of the world than it is for us. But wherever we may be, it is difficult. And we must be prepared to follow, to face these difficulties. We must be prepared to go into the teeth of the gale. To go forward, following in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. This brings me to the last point. And that is that we are called upon to be dedicated. A committed Christian is someone who is dedicated. Dedicated not to himself or herself, but dedicated to Christ. And that's why the second verse is so, is, is, is so important here. We are to run this race which is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We look to him. He has already run the race. <coughs> he has gone forward. He is uh, ahead of us. He is described elsewhere in this letter as our forerunner. As the one who has gone in advance. And he has run the race. And we are to look to him. And there must be this element of dedication. People tell us that, that athletes who succeed tend to be athletes who visualize their victory in advance. In other words, they dream of winning. They think of winning. They visualize what it means to get to the tape first, what it means to, to jump higher than anyone else or longer than anyone else. They visualize it. They visualize them winning. They have a vision, if you like. They dream of winning. And we also who are called upon to follow the Lord Jesus Christ must dream. But we dream not of ourselves but of him. We look to Jesus. We are to look to him and see him going ahead of us. See him eh, going forward. Seeing him as our forerunner. Knowing that he is ahead of us. We are to fix our eyes upon him. And follow him. He for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. It is he who can grant us that faith and equip us with that faith so that we are enabled to press forward in spite of difficulties. He is the, the author of the pioneer, the one who was the leader, the one who has gone before. The reference here is to his life on earth. He lived here without sin, without failure. He did his father's will. He prayed with strong cries and tears. He has been made, he has been made adequate for his destiny through suffering. He ran the race of faith. He continued until he finished. He is our example. He's not only our pioneer, but also he is the perfecter 
of our, the, the, the finisher of our faith. He will make, he can make our faith adequate for the task. He is the one who can, who is the finisher of our faith. He is the one who is the perfecter of our faith. He can make our faith adequate for the task. And so you see the secret of perseverance, the secret of commitment, the secret of dedication is to look to Jesus, to look to him and see him as the one who has gone forward for us. See him as the one who endured the cross of Calvary for us. And when we are called upon to suffer for him, let us remember that he endured the cross. It was one of the most barbaric uh, forms of, of, of putting uh, a human being to death which was ever invented. And not only did he endure the cross, but he despised the shame. He, he, he scorned the shame. There was not only pain, but there was shame at Calvary. And in fact, in some ways, the shame was greater than the pain. Because not only did our Lord suffer physically, but he suffered spiritually. He endured our guilt. He bore upon himself the punishment for our sin. And that pain was infinitely greater than the pain which was in, the physical pain which was inflicted by the Roman soldiers. The shame of the cross was infinitely more intense than the pain of the cross. The death of the Lord Jesus was a death experienced in two directions. So he is the one to whom we must look. So our dedication is a dedication to him. We are to look to Jesus, the author, the pioneer, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. I wonder, coming back to the illustration, this pictorial illustration which we have here, let me ask you again as I ask myself, whether that is a picture which describes us. Does it describe you? Does it describe me? An athlete on the track, but reluctant to enter the event. Reluctant to run. May God grant that today, he who is the our pioneer, he who is the finisher of our faith, may so equip us that we may indeed take off the road, off the tracks of and seek by the grace of God to make a new commitment to follow him without reserve, to follow him without reluctance, to follow him with no strings attached, to take up our cross follow him. May God grant that all of us may be followers of Christ. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come at the close of the service, we pray that you will help us to realize just how great was the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. We thank you that he gave himself without reserve, that he held nothing back. And as he held nothing back for us, forbid that we would hold back anything from him. Grant, Lord, that all that we are and all that we have may be given to him. And that you will help us in the closing moments of the service, like the psalmist, 
follow hard after Christ that we may indeed be all out committed dedicated disciplined determined grant Lord that we may indeed follow him who is our forerunner we ask this in his name Amen